everyone. Today is a very special episode and I'm not sure if you know me, but my name is Mai and I am the current producer for the Careers You Didn't Know About podcast. Today I'm reversing my role with your host Miriam Mateen to ask her about her journey this year and how everything has been going on on the second day and also on the podcast side. So a little bit about me before we even get into this and you're wondering who is the stranger that I'm listening to. I'm currently 21 years old, originally from Hanoi, Vietnam, but I'm right now going to Berkeley College of Music in Valencia, Spain and getting my master's in global entertainment and music business. So I've always been really into music and my side gig has been producing podcasts, listening to people's stories and making sure that they're given the right spotlight, that it's clear and everything is there. So that's what I do for this podcast. And today we're joined by our amazing host, as always, Marianne. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for not just sitting down with me today, but all the amazing work you've done with us this year. So I'm very grateful for you, Mai, and excited to share a little bit about how 2022 has been and what to look forward to in 2023. Awesome. So I guess we'll just start with the first question. Throughout this year, you've had the chance to sit and chat with a variety of people from all parts of the industry, people who are making impact in their own ways. Might be a hard question, but what were some of the most memorable episodes for you and why? This was a very hard question. One of the biggest takeaways I had in general doing the podcast this year is how consistent some themes were in hearing how people's careers evolved. They all do really different things. We talked to political organizers, we talked to impact investors, we talked to people in education, people in philanthropy, really, really broad range. But the idea that this path can be difficult, but it is possible. The idea that mentorship and that community is really important. The idea is that knowing when to say no, understanding your own values, all of those things were such strong themes that emerged with all of the guests. And I think that was really, really good and helpful to see because it makes me honestly feel more clear about how we as Second Day can help our fellows and our students. If I had to name two episodes this year that stuck out to me, it was both the Britney episodes that I did. So Britney Knight, I really enjoyed that conversation because I remember just feeling like they really challenged me on some of the language that I used or some of the frameworks that I have around social impact. I liked that they pushed back on me. The other one, Britney Brady and She's someone who has mentored me for the last few years. And I think that just comes out really hard in the episode where I'm trying to like control my fangirling a little bit. But she is really pushing the boundaries on what it means to be a leader. And for me, that's really inspiring as I not just, you know, lead this organization with Phil, but also lead our students in whatever small way that I lead them. So I think both of those episodes to me stood out as being really special. Yeah, I also remember editing those two episodes. And it's just incredible to see how we see a lot of women in the impact space as well, how they're trying to make change and also advocate for women for diversity in so many ways. And for me personally, as a musician, I really liked the episode with Stanford and how he kind of connected his passion for music and being a performer to now into the nonprofit impact space and helping so many others get access to music education. And I think think, you know, music or just any field doesn't have to be like you have to make the changes because you're that person. But you can also make the change thinking about the impact that you want to make the change that you want to see in society. So it's really cool that 
there's just so many women and also minority people like us in the spaces. So I really loved, you know, how you were able to choose and talk to just so many cool people throughout this whole year. Recently, I read this article on The Insider about how, you know, there are a lot of jobs showing up every single day. And even at Berkeley, professors are always telling us, even though you're learning this tomorrow, there might be a whole new job that you didn't know about, or you're going to go out of school and you're going to create those jobs because you, know, you have the skills and there's a need for them. And we also see that technology is always changing how we work, we live, and we enjoy our free time. And it's rendered a lot of jobs obsolete. So what do you think about this opinion? And what were some jobs that you saw this year that didn't exist before or before the pandemic? Yeah, this is a great question. And I'm not a subject matter expert on this necessarily, but I can share sort of what I've observed. Yeah, in my opinion here. So I would say first talking about social impact specifically, I would say that particularly since the 90s, even in the last decade or so, there has been a steady increase in social impact organizations and opportunities. We see annual donations and philanthropy increase year over year. We see more and more companies applying for B Corp status. We see an increase in impact investing, CSR department are growing. So there is a big growth in understanding the importance of creating entire jobs and organizations dedicated to thinking about social change and making the world a better place and in one way or another. So I think I would argue, I hear people say all the time, social impact is so niche. It's not niche. It's a huge, huge industry. It's a really broad definition. So we are talking about everything from small grassroots organizations to giant CSR departments at corporations. So I think the way that we talk about social impact itself has evolved a lot lot and understanding of it. But I also do think that there has been a lot more of those jobs created. Um, I think specifically within social impact, I would say that technology to sort of your original question is a big part of the social impact scene now in a way that it didn't used to be. A lot of people are, for better or worse, trying to leverage technology to solve social challenges or to create innovative solutions. So there is a lot of interesting stuff happening at that intersection. That's one thing. The other thing I would say is since the pandemic, obviously public health jobs and specifically, I would say mental health. There has been a lot of investment in mental health solutions in public health. And then the third area I have seen a lot of buzz in is, of course, things like DEI. I think there's a lot of debate we could have over how meaningful investment is on all of those things, particularly DEI, like meaningful investment versus just like creating a department that is not, in fact, funded very well. So there's a lot of like nuance and, and things to kind of poke at there. But I do see those sorts of trends over the last couple of years, in particular, the last like one or two. Yeah, I definitely agree with the piece about mental health, how people are more aware of, of that because they had a long period of time where they were just stuck with themselves at home or with a selected few loved ones at home. And people were kind of going crazy because there wasn't anything to do. They weren't able to see, I guess, the impact that they had been making because now they're just locked at their homes. So people were more aware of mental health and finding ways to do that. Because of that, I also saw a lot of nonprofits or different entrepreneurs trying to tackle with this by creating different platforms, different apps, and people becoming more vocal about mental health and how it's okay to maybe seek therapy, how it's okay to be vulnerable and all that. And I think it's such a good thing that we see coming out of the pandemic, even though we're still kind of in there and there's still lots of issues going on with post-pandemic, how to deal with that. But I think that's one good thing. And obviously the DEI matter, I'm really passionate about it. And as a person of color and someone who lived in the US looking a certain way, I'm Vietnamese, looking a certain way, it was kind of like a hard period for a lot of uh, young people like us to have to go through. But it was also good because it made us think about, 
okay, how can we channel our creativity into maybe writing a song or into writing blog posts or even seeking jobs in the industry that's not just purely marketing or something, but it's like, how do I market with an angle that's very inclusive, that uses certain language? So I think that's what a lot of people my age learned coming out of the pandemic. And I'm curious for you with your work at Second Day and the careers you didn't know about podcasts. This is kind of a segue from our original script, but what's your definition of impact? How did you start with you knew that you wanted to go into this impact space? And how has that impact definition evolved for you? I love that question. I'm glad you deviated from the script on that one. I think what's really messy about the word impact is everybody's going to have a different definition. And I think that to an extent that's okay, because the scale of challenges facing this world is so enormous. And to assume that there is only one type of organization, only one model for impact that's going to fix it is, in my opinion, just really misguided and very optimistic, honestly. These challenges are really deeply rooted. And so I think social impact to me is the way I define it is if the core of your work is trying to solve a social challenge in a meaningful way and not like impact is not secondary to the work, but it's sort of like at the core of what you do. I think that is how I would define social impact. I would also say that it's important to layer in is your approach to social impact actually exacerbating the issue or is it making things better? Because I think and that's where it gets really messy too, right? Is there are lots of companies that might have like a social impact sounding mission statement, but if you actually dig into it, of course, like they might be implementing all sorts of practices and like the actual work that they do is pretty far off from social impact. So I think that's the asterisk that I add to social impact, which is really important is are you doing more harm than you are good in your attempt to make an impact, whatever that might be? I think what's really important about the work that Second Day does and why I really believe in our model is we don't believe that there's one way to have a social impact career. And that was part of the goal of this podcast is to really demonstrate that. And so I think everybody has to decide for themselves how they define social impact and not just like, what is your personal theory of change? Like, what do you see as the biggest levers for change? But also thinking about your particular perspective, passion and skill set, where are you most suited to help? I think one of the hardest parts about navigating social impact is people often feel like if they, let's say, really care about affordable housing, they need to go like work for Habitat for Humanity, which is not necessarily the case, right? Caring about affordable housing can look like a lot of different things. It can be about urban development. It can be about creating building materials that are more cost effective. It can be about, you know, actual like policy work. So thinking about not just like what are the issues that you care about, but like what are, where do you see yourself being the most helpful, I think is really, really important. And that's where humility comes into play as well. So I have my own definitions of social impact, which are slightly different from Phil's, which are slightly different from Bridget's, which are slightly different from everybody's. So I think we really believe in giving people space to explore that and to think critically about that. So that's a long-winded thought, but that's sort of how I approach this question of what is social impact. No, I really loved your answer. And I think there are definitely many answers to how to define impact. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to what we believe and about the research and the background work that we do to come up with the conclusion. For me, now when I think of impact, I just know I want to make an impact, but then I have to go to the next step, which is which space do I want to make an impact and then research about what kind of role models are there or what kind of models are there already in the space or what do I gravitate towards and can I do it for a long time is probably a question that I know that I'll have to think a lot about. 
So thank you for giving really good pointers. And I really enjoyed working at Second Day. I think it's a great organization with a great mission. I think many people should check out Second Day and listen to the previous episodes from this podcast. But on that same note, what's in store for Second Day and this podcast for next year? What are some exciting plans that you have? Could you kind of give us a little sneak peek into them? Yeah, totally. I think my big dream for 2023 is just to create more internship opportunities, paid internship opportunities for people. Every internship that we can help create with social impact organizations is really transformational for people. So that to me is like the main thing I'd like to keep doing and and do even bigger. We also next year are hoping to expand into helping people land full-time entry-level jobs into social impact. So that's going to be a big change for us, but sort of a natural progression of what we already do. So I would say keep an eye on us and the jobs that we post. If you're an employer, send us jobs. We're happy to help with recruiting and finding you amazing talent. For the podcast, one of the things that I was reflecting on is that I think I had like spicier questions that I wanted to ask so many guests that I was afraid to, that I didn't want to upset them. I was afraid of, you know, they were all respectful questions, but they were they were spicy questions about places that they've worked or certain ways of taking on social change. And so I think I was afraid to go there. And for next year, that's something that I want to work on is asking some of those tougher questions and having more in-depth discussion on the complexities of, of social impact and how to identify particularly leaders and organizations that really live by their values. So I think that's something I would like to do more of next year. Yeah, I think our listeners would really appreciate those hot takes as well. So definitely ask the spicy questions. And if you are someone who's listening to this podcast and would love to share your thoughts, then definitely reach out to us. Please reach out to us and we'll definitely get you scheduled or see how you can help us and help our students. So before I create the script for this episode, I was talking to a bunch of my friends all the way from middle school to high school to college and now in grad school and asking them about what are they scared the most about the new year? Because as much as we'd like to be happy that, oh my gosh, we already finished 2021 and we're going to have a great break, there's 2023 and people always write new year resolutions and people are always really excited. I'm going to make this year the best as possible. But then a lot of them are also scared because the job market is very crazy right now. And even though people say that there are jobs for everyone, but then when it comes to actually landing those jobs, being able to get paid the amount that you want to get paid, it's really hard. So I share that stress and anxiety with a lot of my peers. And I was just wondering, from your perspective, how can we stay competitive in the new job economy? And how do we choose the right job for ourselves? This is a very normal anxiety. I think no matter what's going on in the economy, people are always going to have this nervousness as they enter the job market, particularly for like maybe the first time. Very normal feeling. Having talked to a few other people who are experts as well, we're sort of a lot of us are in agreement that the panic about the job market, just being honest, is mostly affecting big tech. It's disproportionately affecting big tech. So when we see all these layoff posts and articles, you'll notice that they're almost always tech companies. So I would say unless you are in that space, you're probably okay. That does mean that there's like more candidates out in the job market that you might be competing with. That is true. But also, unless you are directly like competing with people who are fired from Twitter, which many of the people listening here probably are not directly competing with those sorts of talent. I think that's just something to keep in mind. In terms of like advice I would give going into the job search in what can feel like a little bit of an unpredictable economy, if that is something that we continue to see get funky 
because who knows what it's going to look like in like three months, six months. We know that we can't really see into a crystal ball that way. There's a couple of things that I would say. I'd say one is stick to the fundamentals, right? So the fundamentals being always be keeping your ear to the ground, keeping track of opportunities and really making sure that you have your foundational elements in place, meaning your resume is good. Your LinkedIn is up. Your If you have a portfolio of work, having that ready, like being ready, being prepared is really important. Keeping your ear to the ground. What I mean by that is even if you don't want to post on LinkedIn, that's totally fine. But be following the companies and organizations you're interested in. Be reading articles about what's going on in, in industries that you are fascinated by or that you would want to work in one day. And the biggest thing is talk to people. So people who know me or have been a part of this program know that this is something I talk about all the time. One of the main ways that people find jobs is through networking. For better or worse, often like it's a very problematic system, but it is still the reality of how the majority of people get hired. So let's say that it is a really competitive job market. The people who are going to have the leg up are people who are personally connected to somebody who works at that organization or company. So that's the biggest way that you can get your foot in the door is reach out to someone on LinkedIn who works somewhere that you're interested in. Get introduced through a friend, through a professor, through whoever. Find people who went to your same you know education institutions on LinkedIn and you just send them a DM. There's so many ways to just like reach out to people. And it sounds really scary, but it really, really does work. And people 99% of the time are really nice and down to chat because they have been in your position before. So they, they understand and they want to help. That's always important. The other thing to do is really be thoughtful about how you're evaluating opportunities. I don't believe people should just say yes to the first job that they get because they think that they have to. I spoke to one of my students yesterday who had already graduated and was feeling a lot of anxiety, got a job offer that paid well, but she really hated the company and was not interested in the job. And she said no. And then another opportunity showed up like a week later that she actually wanted, right? So trust your gut if something is not the right fit for you, because then you're just going to end up looking for another job soon anyways, right? So then you're stuck in the same situation. There are obvious practical considerations, like maybe you have to take care of your family, maybe there are student loans involved. You want to be cognizant of that, but just naming that it's okay to say no to opportunities too, if it doesn't feel right. I would also say that the other thing to do is rather than set requirements for your next job, set deal breakers. Say that if it is full in person, I can't do that. If it is below this amount of money, I can't do that. Set three or four things that are absolute deal breakers, knowing that you like won't accept those jobs and sort through jobs that way versus they must fulfill all 15 of these requirements because that's where in this economy, you're going to make your life a little bit harder. And then the last thing I would say is think about this job in the context of your longer term career. You're going to do a lot of different types of jobs over the course of your life. And even if your first job is not exactly what you wanted, does it get you a step closer to the things that you are interested in? Does it get you your foot in the door of an industry that you want to be a part of? Is it getting you connected to a certain network? Is it allowing you to develop a certain skill? Not putting so much weight on this is the job that's going to determine my entire life will be so helpful. So those are just some thoughts on people who are going into this job market, maybe feeling nervous. It's just create that discipline of working on it a little bit every day. Don't be afraid to talk to people create deal breakers and try not to compare yourself too much to everybody else because everybody is on their own journey, on their own timeline and has their own considerations. So do your best to just focus on what's in your own control. I love that. Those are all incredible advice. And I wanted to talk more specifically about the first one you mentioned. So the idea of networking, it seems very daunting to a lot of people in myself included, because it's not really my personality sometimes. So what are your personal tips when it comes to networking and maintaining connections with those people? How do you follow up with them? Or how do you keep them in your circle for a long time? I could do a whole episode just on this. So I'll give the 
I'll give the high level pieces of advice. If you are doing networking, which involves a lot of like cold outreach, the big thing that I would remind yourself of is let's imagine you are a senior in college and a freshman reaches out to you saying, Hey, I saw you were involved in this club on campus. I would love to hear what your experience has been like. And if you have any advice for me, chances are you would say, yes, of course, I'm happy to help. I remember what it's like being a freshman. It's hard and scary. Let me share whatever wisdom I can. People really do want to help. So cold outreach is like exactly that, right? You are in this case, the freshman reaching out to the senior, but just reminding yourself like you would be totally happy to share your time and energy with someone. Someone else is willing to do the same for you. The next thing I would say is be really specific about why you want to reach out to that person. Have like a template ready to go of like what your email or LinkedIn outreach looks like, but make sure to personalize it a little bit. Share specifically, I really admire the work you've done at this organization, or I was interested to see that you've got a a master's in this thing. Just throw in a little bit of like a personal detail of why in particular you want to talk to them and how you think they can be helpful and then make it really easy for them to help you. So set, create some sort of like scheduling link or share some times that you're available. Just make it really easy for them to say, great, like I just found 30 minutes and we can sit down and chat and then always send a thank you note. Even if you don't plan on staying in touch that actively with the person, everybody knows everybody. Another thing you sort of learn in this work. So always send a thank you note. If they had next steps they wanted you to do, make sure you complete those next steps in a timely manner. And then in terms of staying in touch with people, keep a tracker of all the people that you network with. And what I do for people that I want to stay in touch with, I actually set little reminders in my calendar every quarter for some people, every month for other people to reach out and drop a note saying anything from, hey, just wanted to see how you're doing. Here's some stuff that we're up to at second day, like we should catch up. Or maybe you share an article or podcast episode you think they'd be interested in. Or maybe you are just saying, hey, I wanted to update you on how school is going. Thank you again for taking the time. Like, you know, I'll keep you posted on if something comes up, whatever, right? It doesn't have to be anything super crazy. But having that practice of showing up in someone's inbox regularly is really powerful. So those are some really quick tips that I would offer to get someone started. Yeah, I didn't really follow up with people before. I mean, just because when I was in high school back in Vietnam, we don't even use emails for a lot of our correspondence. So it's very much a thing that I learned throughout my time in college. And now in grad school, it's come more like a habit of just reaching out to people and then thanking them for their time. But I know a lot of my friends who maybe didn't really study abroad or have experience using emails as much as they would probably didn't have exposure to the fact like maybe it's better to follow up with people or maybe it's better to thank people for their time, even if it's like a really short email. So I really loved what you shared. Coming to the end of this episode, almost, we're kind of nearing the end of the year and people are asking, oh, what are your plans for Christmas? What are your plans for the holidays? But I have a bigger question. What are the plans for your next five years? Do you usually make a five-year plan for yourself? My answer here is maybe I should. I don't know. I, but I don't. And so like, here's, here's what I, I do believe. So I think the last couple of years have really taught us that we cannot predict anything, right? We, we don't know what's going to happen, particularly 10 year plans. I'm like not totally bought in on that. What I do is more like a vision, right? So I like to think about where would I like to be five years from now? So in 2028, in five years, I'll be 34. What do I want my life to look like? What are the things I want for a second day for myself? And so I set a couple of intentions, right? Where it's like in five years, I would still like to be working at second day, but I would like to have like a full staff here. I would like to be helping people find a job every single day. That's what I would love second day to look like five years from now. And I would like to be well known as an organization, honestly. So 
when I sit down for 2023 planning, which Phil and I will do next week, the question kind of comes back to for everything we want to get done in 2023, which is a much more detailed month by month plan, quarter by quarter plan. To me, the question always layers up to are the priorities we're setting for 2023 getting us closer to the vision we have for ourselves in 2028? Is it serving that goal? And I think that's what's really important more than saying in 2023, I'm going to do this. In 2024, I'm going to do that. In 2020, you know, that's you can do that. And maybe that works for some people. It just doesn't work for me. I do think that constantly revisiting what that five-year vision looks like for yourself too is important, right? So what I thought I wanted five years ago, I could not have predicted this is where I would be now, right? I don't think that even occurred to me. Just as I know whatever version of me or second day exists in 2028, I don't actually have any idea. And some of it is in my control, but a lot of it isn't. So that's that's sort of how I think about this, like constantly check in with yourself. The world is changing a lot. We ourselves change all the time. And so set those visions, set those goals, but always be willing to to change them if they don't meet who you are anymore or where the world is at anymore. That's sort of my take on five-year, 10-year plans. I'm so glad you said that because I don't know if I even have a weekly plan sometimes because things just change and and that's okay. I feel whatever I feel and sometimes I take like mental health days, mental health breaks, or I just don't really feel like doing a certain assignment. So I'm really glad to hear from your perspective that, you know, your plans are always changing, even as you're literally the face of this organization, which a lot of your plans, it's still subject to change. But I'm really glad that you kind of shared that and we're open with that. Sometimes when I do things, I like to have an accountability partner just to keep me in check. So I think you working together on like projects with other people or, you know, you having your business partner, Phil, and like a lot of people supporting you could be a really good motivator for you to get the things that you set out in the first place then, or them telling you, hey, this needs to be tweaked or there are certain changes that needs to be made. But sometimes we can get so locked in our own little world that we forget that you know there are other people supporting us, that things are flexible. And if they change, they might change for the better. So I really loved how you ended that question. This last question might be really redundant, but how do you see second day in the whole impact space? Do you think that second day on like your personal criteria is doing a good job in achieving the impact goal that you had in the beginning? What what do you think are the places that you would like to work more on or even like dig deeper into in the following years? That's a really good question. And I'm going to do my best to answer honestly. I think we are doing what we set out to do on a very small scale. That's sort of like how I honestly feel about it is if we look at what we set out to do, which was to make it easier for people to break into social impact. I do think we have done that for our immediate community. And I feel really proud. We have a lot of data to back that up. We have a lot of sort of stories of people who have walked away from more traditional career paths to take jobs in social impact that they love and are excited about and getting paid well. So I think that I do really feel we've found a model that allows us to do that. I think the biggest challenge that we have is being able to do it for more people. I think that's where we want to think deeply, not just in terms of reaching more students, but thinking about the systemic reasons that it's hard to get into social impact, right? So for example, a really fundamental thing is lack of paid internships, 
or well-paying entry-level jobs. So how do we as Second Day, who in many ways act as a subject matter expert on how to get people in the door, how do we also encourage the industry to step up and also create more opportunities themselves and build some of that infrastructure too? Like we as Second Day can't do it on our own. We can't put it on young people to bend over backwards to make it happen. There has to be a level of investment and infrastructure and willingness to do things differently and to think differently about the role that people play in social movements. And I think that's something that I think a lot about at Second Day is where is our place in that? And I don't have that answer necessarily, but I think it's an important piece of the puzzle. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. I feel really good that we are doing something really different than a lot of other organizations. I We're working in a space that not a lot of other people are thinking about. And I think that's really exciting and also creates challenges because you're one of the few people thinking about something. So that makes it hard at times. But I'm very, very grateful, not just to be able to do this work, but incredibly grateful to our students, to our mentors, to our facilitators, to our nonprofit partners, to you to Jenna, to Phil, to Bridget, to our board, to everybody who has brought us to this point. Because we really, in many ways, have beat the odds on being here for as many years as we have. So it wouldn't have been possible without all of you. And I just want to say, I'm so, so grateful. And we're so thankful for you. And for me, when I think of Second Day, when I first got to know Second Day, I thought, what a wonderful organization and the mission that you have. And for me, especially as an international student, it was always a struggle to obviously find a way to get into the door. But then there are a host of other different feelings that's happening like, oh, you know, we have certain visa issues. The fact that we're away from our families, the fact that we have to overcome a lot of the odds that people don't think about because it's not evident in their daily lives. So it's fine for them not to think about for me to know that there's an organization like this that you know may or may not be as big as some of the other organizations but it's doing something every single day constantly putting out content it's constantly doing the outreach and constantly trying to help a small portion of us is really cool to see I know that after listening to this episode, a lot of people will want to check us out. Our website is secondday.org. If you want to help us, please reach out to us and reach out to Miriam, reach out to any of us, and we'll be happy to sit down and talk to you. Just to close this episode, do you have any last words for our listeners before we step into the holidays, into the new year, any of that? I just feel a lot of gratitude to be here. To echo what you said, if people have anything they want to chat about, reach out to me directly. My email is mariam, M-A-R-I-A-M, at secondday, with two Ds, dot org. Have a wonderful holiday season, everybody, and I will see you in the new year.